Today is Thursday, January 7th, and this is Celtics Beat on the CLNS Media Network, the leading online provider of audio-video coverage of the Boston Celtics. I'm Adam Kaufman, episode 390, featuring the one, the only, Cedric Maxwell, is powered by BetOnline.ag. Go to BetOnline.ag today, use the promo code CLNS50 for your 50% sign-up bonus. Hey everyone, welcome back, welcome in, another new edition of Celtics Beat, and uh, Happy New Year. I realized that uh, I wasn't here with you last week, Evan Valenti, who is of course, as always, here with us, holding down the fort and doing a great job at that, so hope you listened. If you didn't, you should go back, because uh, these things, you know, there's a lot of good carryover information, it's not all just game analysis. I am Adam Kaufman, we have got Cedric Maxwell here with us, who, I mean, a man who doesn't need any introduction, but I'll do it anyway. He is, of course a former NBA Finals MVP, a voice of the Celtics on the radio across the Celtics radio network, and, you know, maybe most proudly, Max, part of the CLNS family with your <laughs> podcast that uh, you do so well and people I know are already subscribed to. How are you, buddy? I am doing just fine, gentlemen. It's just been a, a – I, I, I don't even know. After after yesterday and all the things that happened down in D.C., I I don't know. We can get through this. I thought I was going to say get through 2020 and we'll be <laughs> clear. But but look how you set off this first week of 2021. So it's thing. Haven't you heard, Max? Hindsight is 2020. So, you know, we're just going to continue to live it, I think, for a little while. It's awful. Yeah, it, seems, it seems exactly that way. Let's talk, uh, I don't want to go on too, too long about what happened, obviously, at the Capitol building, simply because I, I do think a, a lot of fans out there, basketball fans, you know, they, they come to places like this, podcasts as an escape from reality and, and don't necessarily want to get bogged down with that. But we'd be remiss to not acknowledge, you know, as it concerned the Celtics specifically and what turned out to be a, a thrilling, very exciting win in Miami, and we missed you on the call for that, obviously, and Peyton Pritchard, the the game-winning tip-in. We can talk plenty about him going forward, but the real talking points from the game weren't the game. They were what happened around it. Before the game, the Seas walking off the floor along with the Heat, debating whether to play in the first place. Coach Brad Stevens saying that as close as a half hour before the game, you know, he was calling his wife Tracy saying, I don't think we're going to play as a result of the civil unrest there at the Capitol and the protesters, supporters of Donald Trump storming the Capitol building and just, you know, the the continued uh, lack of, of support and, and proper attention on obviously social injustice and, and so many things, the Black Lives Matter that we have been talking about for months at this point in time. It just seems like as Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum talked about and and stood talking about for about 10 minutes post game, the more things change, the more they stay the same. If there is one big takeaway though, it's just that those two and not to dismiss Jason, but Jalen in particular is just, you know, young leaders of men who are, are just doing such an incredible job at the forefront of using their platforms in the most positive way. You had to be proud. Uh, Very proud. And, And to see them grow as men, uh, you see him come in as, you know, Tatum as a teenager and Brown almost a teenager and watch them develop as players. But to watch them develop personally is, is huge. And, uh, you know, you talk about taking on social responsibility, something that uh, during my years that we didn't do, uh, you know, we shied away from because there wasn't the social media platform to get there. But uh, this platform that they have, uh, they utilize that. Uh, they are small conglomerates in themselves when you think about how much money they make and the influence and the people that follow them. So for them to use it in that way about social issues, social injustice, uh, you know, I absolutely applaud everything that they do. Did I'm just thinking about what you just said as far as, you know, not having the platform, not being able to use the platform without social media in the same way back in your playing days. And this is going to sound a little crass maybe, but did, was it not as important to the general public what professional athletes had to say back when you were playing as it is now where it seems like there is more of a celebrity status? I don't think so. I think that really, if you look at it, look back over those years, I think the public yearned for it. Uh, you know, there's but way before you guys were around, 
there were two guys who were down in uh, uh, Mexico City, John uh, Carlos being one of them, and and they, they gave the uh, fist salute during the Olympics, and mm-hmm. and they got kicked out of the Olympics. Uh, Muhammad Ali during his time in Vietnam talking about social issues and social injustice. Uh, you know, Bill Russell, uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, all these guys got together in a format to talk about social issues. I think during the during the 80s, I think part of that just kind of died down. I think it was still there, but during the 80s, it was more, the players were more about themselves. You think about Jordan. Jordan probably had the biggest platform he could have been on, but he did not want to be involved. And, and that's all right. If you don't want to do it, nobody's going to make you, but Jordan had an opportunity uh, one of the few that if Michael Jordan spoke back then, they used to have a commercial was E.F. Hutton had one and, and they would, the girl would be whispering to a guy, it's like E.F. Hutton said, and everybody in the place would just stop and listen. Well, Michael Jordan would have been the same way, uh, but he didn't want that platform. You remember, I think the one issue he had was it was about um, uh, tennis shoes being made over in Thailand and in these third world countries and uh, paying, a, you know, 50 cents for a day to, to make these shoes. And they cost, you know, a couple of hundred dollars back then. And Michael Jordan was asked about it. And he said, I think his line, I won't say paraphrase, paraphrase him here, but he said something like Republicans buy shoes too. So Michael mm-hmm. Jordan stepped away from that arena during that time. And he had that platform. And you think about the dream team, one of the, the greatest team ever assembled. Do you think about any of those guys during that time, other than playing in Barcelona, that said anything from a social standpoint? It was all about basketball. Important to make it, you know, to make the statements that they make because, you know, the, the eyes are all on these guys. And to have, you know, Jalen and Jason at 24 and 22, I mean, to step up like this and, and make a statement. And what I, what I like is that they make a statement, but the whole team is, you know, gathered together. It's not those two. It's just those two on behalf of, the Boston Celtics. It's not just Jason and Jalen. There's, there's coaches. I mean, you've seen Wick and the ownership group get behind these guys and it's a whole uh, collective group moving forward as one, but with these two young guys, you know, at the top of this whole thing. Um, But when you, when you step back and look at it, I know there was, you know, talk about whether they should play or not. Do you think they made the right decision by playing yesterday? Uh, Yeah, I think they made the right decision by playing. I think that they knew more than we did about it, but it wasn't that long ago when people were, everybody was downing uh, Kaepernick uh, for mm-hmm. what he did. Uh, even the NFL, you know, you know, had to apologize. So I think that a lot of things have changed during this time because of the social media, because of the platform that guys have. And to utilize it in that way, to me, is brilliant because you have an audience of young people, a lot of young people. And if you're going to change this world in a positive way, it, it has to be those young people that make that change and, and, and pick that mantle up and, and they start to run with. Are there next things that you would like to see, you know, as, you know, thinking back to obviously the, the progress and there was progress, you know, I think the NBA and the players, coaches, everybody involved did a phenomenal job there in the bubble with, Uh, whether it was signage, T-shirts, messaging, using platforms the right way. And then you have the very short offseason. You don't hear as much from people, which is to be expected. Players, I think, wanted a little bit of an escape. And then the very quick turnaround here into uh, a new season. And it it was kind of on the, not to say it was on the back burner, but it wasn't top of, of, uh, of, of focus as compared to the games themselves early on here in the season, but as we sit only what a, a week or so in a couple weeks in um, you know, here we go again because of what happened at the Capitol. Is there something you would like to see happen next? Mm, um, you know, I always go, mine was initially about the Boston Celtics and, and I'll kind of be at home. And the fact that when I, I think it was probably about three years ago, uh, it was uh, the first first day of Black History Month, and uh, Boston Police Department said something about Red Arback. They they honored Red Arback during Black History Month about his accomplishments uh, for what he had done, 
And there was this big uproar about, oh my God, how can you, how dare you, uh, on the rail our back and that. Well, and then the person they came to, to ask the questions, they came to me. I was like, I shouldn't be the one, there should, what I, what I'm saying is there should be somebody else in hierarchy with the Boston Celtics in management, somebody coming down the line that is in a position of authority, of power that you could officially go and get a statement from the Boston Celtics about that. Uh, my thing about Red Arback, they, it was like, you know, people were mad, but I said, what were they mad about? What the Boston Police Department talked about during that time wasn't Red Arback's championships. They talked about Red Arback being the first coach to have a black player, Chuck Cooper, the first, the first uh, coach, the first organization to have a black head coach. And that was Bill Russell, the first mm-hmm. organization to have in the NBA to store five black players at that time. So that's what they honored Red Arback for was pushing the boundaries and, and setting a standard. And it wasn't about black and white, but it was about winning. And it just happened to be that he had black players that he pushed ahead in these positions. So I want to see uh, the Celtics from that standpoint. Um, Allison, I think, just took a position with the Celtics, maybe with, uh, and she's a woman of color. So I, I, I like that, Allison Feaster. But I want to see the Celtics have more people, more opportunities for people of color or women in their organization. And, and that's where I think I'd like to see the Celtics here. Well, no question things are trending in the right direction. And uh, talking about the Celtics, let's talk about a little basketball, especially mm-hmm. with what we've seen so far. Seas are off to a 6-3 and three start. They've won five out of six, last three. They look terrific, I mean, in general. Obviously, there have been some third quarter woes. There have been some defensive lapses, breakdowns. But, you know, the offense, especially without Kemba Walker, you have to feel really good about. Jeff Teague has not given nearly what I thought he would to this point. There have been outlier games like that first one, but he's been relatively relatively quiet. Peyton Pritchard's burst onto the scene, but these conversations always and should start with Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. These two guys are each averaging 26 points per game, which I think people probably expected from Jason and are floored by when it comes to Jalen and that contract looks better by the day. Here's my question for you. I've been thinking a lot about this for years. I have been saying on this show and elsewhere, and I'm not in the minority here. Jason Tatum is the budding superstar. That's his ceiling. Jalen Brown, you know, his ceiling still excellent. You know, I view him as, as perennial all-star, but not necessarily that next tier where I think a lot of people put Jason Tatum and, you know, maybe the contracts reflect that as well. What I'm wondering is, do I have it backwards with what you've seen this year? Do you think Jalen Brown might actually have the higher ceiling? I think that you don't know that. I think that there's, there, there are different players in different ways. Uh, obviously Tatum is a different personality and a, a, a different player in the way that he shoots the jump shot. I think he's a little bit more sleek, a little bit more sexy uh, with his, his movement of the ball. But if you look at Brown, Brown has been the superior player so far this year. So I don't think that you can tell what a ceiling is going to be. And the other reason I say that is I always think about myself playing with Larry Bird and not knowing what that ceiling was for him or not knowing where I was going to go. When you are a player like it, like a Brown, and I feel like, you know, I'm so much more akin to him is that everybody is saying right now, this is Jason Tatum's team. When in fact, you see Brown, the way he's playing, he is probably having so far a better year. Uh, question. He, he's been exceptional in, in, in the way he's developed as a player. So, I, I just, I, I love the fact that they seem to like each other and they seem to be buddies. They seem to be uh, Bush Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. They seem to be <laughs> Batman and Robin. And, you know, everybody said, I had a friend of mine one day saying that about, you know, Batman and Robin. He said, man, Batman, you know, gets all of us. But then he said, you know what? Robin had a hell of a gig. <laughs> he had one hell of a gig. Yeah. And I think that's the same way I look at Jalen right now. And the fact that he has a, a, a great gig, he doesn't have the pressure. So I think that's a really good thing. He also doesn't seem to care to be Batman. You know, I, I think that yeah. we talked about this with Aisha Rod Blakely a couple shows ago. He wants to be that guy 
I mean, everyone wants to be that guy, but he cares more about being that guy off the floor with regard to everything that we talked about off the top of the show and making the world a better place when it comes to basketball, which is still absolutely a priority to him. And he continues to excel and grow every single off season throughout these years. Mm-hmm. He doesn't mind being Robin and letting Jason be Batman. He's uh, he's not fighting city hall. And, and that's that I always try to tell people that when you are, when, when I got Larry Bird coming in, I could have been trying to be disruptive and try to say, yo, this is, I'm averaging 20, almost 20 points a game. I'm not trying to hear this, but if you are smart about the game, you understand that you utilize everything in the game. When Larry Bird came in, now there was a proving point. He had to prove, prove play with when I played with him. I remember, you know, him walking in the first game and I was sitting up on the little stanchion up there and I'm thinking, yeah, great white hope. Here we go. Yeah, but after that practice, <laughs> I walked up to the first black person I could see and going, you know what? A white guy can play, you know? <laughs> and, so, and then I'd use that as like fuel. Okay, well, I'm going to use him to get where I have to be. There are going to be opportunities for me. And I think Jalen sees the same thing, that, you know, I, I, there are going to be opportunities for me. Jason is the one that's getting the headlines, but – you know, again, if you are the guy kind of sitting back a little bit, it's not as much pressure on you because you know, the expectation level is that of the superstars. It isn't the, the, the as Sean Grandy likes to use, the ancillary players. It's, it's about the superstars. Yeah, it's it's just fun to watch the relationship grow. And I, I made the argument a couple of shows ago that, you know, there are going to be points in the season where, again, Tatum gets a lot of the attention, you know, both from the media and just, you know, from people on the court in general. He's facing a lot more double teams nowadays and, you know, trying to find and navigate his way around those. It's been fun to watch. He's developing that side of his game. But the one that I argued and, and I, I called for basically is, you know, Tatum at some points is going to have to let, you know, defer to Jalen Brown and let Jalen Brown take them where they need to go. How important is that? you know, their relationship as they develop. And I've said this before too, these two guys for the first time in their careers in the NBA are the clear cut number one, number two guys from the start of the season. We know that it's Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. That's one A and one B. We don't have to worry about the pecking. That's that's, we know what they are. How important is that relationship in terms of give and take, you know, guys deferring to each other as the season goes along to get the Celtics where they need to be. Well, I, and I think there's another side of that. There's another tentacle that you look at, and you talk about Gordon Haywood leaving. Everybody was mad. Oh, Gordon Haywood, I hate that he left. Oh, I don't like it. Gordon, leave. Well, Gordon Haywood, by leaving, gave these two guys a greater opportunity to accelerate their games because the touches that Jay, that, that you would have gave maybe on the other side uh, to Gordon would have been the same shots that maybe weren't Brown wouldn't have got or, or Tatum wouldn't have got. So I, I, I and, and you look at it, I told people before, I said, I told them when Gordon Hayward went to Charlotte, I said, Gordon Hayward is probably going to be an all-star. Well, last mm-hmm. night he had 44 points yeah. and he win. He's having a sensation. He's going to have a very good year. But he left because he saw, like I saw, he saw himself as maybe the third or sometimes the fifth option on a team. And he wanted mm-hmm. to leave and be a first option. And 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 uh, you could hear the text message that his wife gave. He said, now you might be able to see what my husband can really do. So by, by doing that, uh, he leaves. And now you have that situation where you will let a Gordon Haywood, uh, you would, I mean, you would let a Brown, be more of a, a a guy scoring the basketball. He will get his opportunities. I, I mean, I did that when I was with Larry Bird, his first championship. A lot of people said, well, who was the finals MVP? Well, you, you, you got to see him right here. You look at his face right here. And the reason why is because he deferred to me exactly what you're saying right now, Evan. He deferred to me during that time to say, look, dude, you're the hot one. Let me, let me give you the ball. I don't, I don't need those things. And that's what great teams do. They don't, they're, they're, they're not so ego driven. And because you already have, you know, with, with um, Tatum having this contract already and Brown having this contract, nobody is thinking, I got to score the ball because I'm not going to get paid. That's done. I mean, it was just, I want to say it was about a month ago when 
every news organization was saying the Boston Celtics cannot keep their star players. They can't keep them. Well, Jason Tatum signs a, a five-year deal for almost $200 million. And do you you hear that noise? You Oh, oh, that's people not saying anything anymore about <laughs> that particular thing. So, I mean, that that to me, that's the crazy part of, of us living in the world that we're in now and the noise. Yes, one thing people always say, you got to cut out the noise. If you can cut out the noise, then you can have an opportunity to win, especially if you got a good team, you have a great coach, you have a great organization, cut the noise out. You know what? It, it's sort of a devil's advocate kind of comment, I suppose. About I don't want to spend time talking about Gordon Hayward because we've we've all done plenty of that in recent months, and I agree with right. everything. Well, I agree. I agree with everything that you said about him. Uh, I was someone that wanted Gordon Hayward to to stay just because I think he's a when healthy uh, mm-hmm. a, an asset, a really good offensive player, and and if he were comfortable, which obviously he wasn't, with being, you know that third, fourth, fifth option, then, yeah, I mean, why wouldn't you want that guy? Third, but with fourth, him, fifth, some, maybe sometimes right. option. But yeah, no yeah right. It, right. It wasn't, you know, the Boston experience was not what Gordon Hayward wanted it to be. But in that same vein, of course, like if he leaves as he did, it's going to open up more opportunity for those two guys, the 1A, 1B, as you talked about with Tatum and Brown. It just, it, it has me thinking back to a conversation I had with a boss of mine a few years back when, uh, like, if, if we can all remember this, you know, when Isaiah Thomas was the leading scorer with the Celtics, when Avery Bradley was the leading scorer for the Celtics, and I'd, I, I would come into work after a, an impressive performance, and his response would always be, well, look at the rest of the team. Someone has to score. And so I kind of wonder with when Kemba Walker does come back and who knows, maybe Kemba only plays half the season because they're just so careful with that knee going into the playoffs. It doesn't shock me that it shocks me a little bit, I guess, what Jalen is doing right now, especially in terms of efficiency and shooting as well as he has been Tatum, almost nothing he does surprises me. But what does this look like when there is again, a three headed monster? Does Kemba come in content right off the hop being the third guy behind what these two are doing? I think he does. I think Kimba is just trying to win. Remember last, I think it was last year, at some point last year, Kimba had played LeBron James teams like 25 times and not beaten LeBron James teams. Yeah, not one time. So it's more as you get older and you, you've already got the contract. You've, you've, you've been an all-star. You've been these things. You are no longer the horse. You are now the jockey. And if I got these two guys and I'm riding along with them, these are my, I'm just putting a whip to them, both of them. I don't mind that. It doesn't, it doesn't bother me. So I think he would be content with that. You got Marcus Smart, who can be a scorer, who can be a facilitator. Uh, you got, um, you know, and, and now Pritchard has turned into a nice look. I think Pritchard is going to be, I, I think, maybe one of the steals of the draft. Because, Looking like it so far, yeah. Because he's a he's a he's a dirt dog. He, they, we have these things out in North Carolina. They they borrow. They they get all this dirt on them. They come out. They're all nasty and that. Well, well, that's how Pritchard reminds me. He he isn't a glamour player, but he knows how to play the game at such a high level. I mean, I, I think that a lot of people. I was listening to a couple of people the other day on air, and they were like, "Oh, oh, Celtic fans are going crazy because Pritchard, yeah, he's the next cup." No, he's just a real good player. He's solid because he played in school for four years. Because he's already, he, I think right now, I, I think he's older right now than Brown and Tatum, someplace in that area. Because mm-hmm. you know, playing four years in school, so. He is a mature player that comes in, and to me, he reminds me so much of me watching Danny Ainge when he first came to Mm -hmm. the Celtics. Just kind of a little, just bright-eyed, you know, hustling, busting his ass all over over the place trying to get to the basketball. But his IQ, people said, well, like last night's play when he gets to tap in. Oh, that was a lucky play. No. Great players know where the ball is going to be. They have a nose for it. It's like all of a sudden, like, wow, I, you know. Oh, he made, like Larry Bird when they made that steal against uh, uh, Detroit. It was like he had a nose for it. You know the game, so you feel the game. It's like, you know, I, I and I know you guys are a little younger right now, but I'll, 
I'll go and talk about the matrix when they say, you now believe. Neil, you believe. That's <laughs> can you feel or, you know, go back to Star Wars, feel the force, feel the force, yeah. Luke. And that's what I think that you look at Pritchard as that kind of player. And we know all about the red flu. Don't worry about that. Matrix, my man. I'm, I'm way in on that. We're fine. Both of you look a little young. So you look, I, I, I never take anything for granted. <laughs> <laughs> I'll you know, the, the, I think Danny Ainge is an even better comp. So I think that's, that's, that's dead on accurate for a lot of different reasons. But even if you were to kind of look at just today's Celtics, in a lot of ways, he's a less physical Marcus Smart with a better jumper, but mentally they're kind of the same guy. And yeah. who wouldn't want more of those guys is really what it boils down to. Yeah, that, that is true. He's, he's more efficient shooting than Marcus is. Now, there are times when Marcus would get on the streak and is unreal. Oh, yeah. And, and being a facilitator. Marcus right now happens to be their best playmaker of getting people involved. He was great with Tice with the little lobs and little step passes was, was excellent with that. So I, I just think they have a, they have, um, have some good players. Robert Williams looked like he's coming around to be a nice little player doing some things. Uh, you know, he's getting a lot more confident about you. I think he had 15 rebounds the other day. And uh, so I think that, you know, this is a, a, a good team. I think that there's still some holes, but the biggest thing that we're going to see is the finished product. What will the Celtics be like when they use this trade exemption? What will mm-hmm. they be then? Who are they going to go out and get? Who's ready, ready to give up a player like a, the guy I love more than since we're talking about this, where I'm sure. forcing you guys, is Demarcus Aldridge. Is the guy that I look at and I go, yeah. That's the, that's the guy that, you know, I, I would love if San Antonio didn't make it. He is a, he presents a lot of, he checks a lot of boxes. He's My- physical, he can score the basketball, uh, he can defend the basketball, and he was coached by Greg Popovich. My only pause there is, do you want to, and you might not have a whole lot of options anyway, right? Like beggars can't be choosers, but do you want to use that kind of gift of an asset on a guy that old, as opposed to someone that you feel like you can have for years to come. If you are trying to eventually win a championship, there's no telling who would said that uh, PJ Brown was going to be the linchpin with Kevin Garnett and Paul Pierce and Ray Allen. A player yeah. who was one PJ Brown wasn't getting 25 million he, a year yeah, or whatever. He played, played one year. He, <laughs> P.J. Brown came off the street, played one year with your team, and was able to do some things. So, you know, I don't, I don't know how that's going to be. So I, I think that, to me, is always interesting. And, you know, I, I got to ask you guys a question because, you know, I do this all the time on my podcast, and, and I'm going to put you on the – and I'm not sure if I've asked you this before, but sure. I'll ask it now. Give me your Mount Rushmore of sports. Mean? Now, four, four and, people just just, just take, and, take and, taking the four major sports and and ranking them. What I do you mean? You can take the four. You can you don't have to be the four major sports. This is your Mount Rushmore. It can just be sport, just sports four, or leagues your, or what are we talking let about? Let me say it again. Your Mount Rushmore of sports in the back of your house. There you okay. have you have land and you're yeah. about to put five, four statues back there in the back. If this your Mount Rushmore. What does it look like? And I, it could be different teams. I don't care who it is, but this I is your Mount Rushmore. I want to put Peyton Pritchard up there four times. Is that cool? <laughs> <laughs> Something fans right now just broke the day. You just broke the damn internet. Is it too early to call Michael Peyton Pritchard right now? Is, has, a, has a hit for you right now. He has a hit. <laughs> you green yeah. teamer. No, I, it's it's all it's all uh, it's all good fun, right? I mean, that's a that's a really tough question when you think about the personal Mount Rushmore sports. And on the younger side, my my answers are going to be like really skewed to. to I don't care what it is. Give give me your Mount Rushmore. Tiger Woods. Tiger Woods has got to be on there. So what? Tiger Woods has got to be on there. Okay, Tiger Woods. So one of Brady or Belichick's got to be on there. 
can't, can't be gotta be whatever. You can put both of them, but you don't have one left. So who would no, you I'm going to put one of because his Bill Bill Russell has got one, one of the greatest winners of all time. Okay, in, so in you got Bill, any sport. Bill Russell and Tiger and Brady. Brady, all right, man. It's always that fourth one, which is a killer. There's so many people you could put on there, and I got to put one last one. I don't care. You're Mount Rushmore. We don't care. You can't be wrong. The guys right now, they're out there with the shovels right now. Okay, what did he say? Right. Man. It is hard, and and you put like you have, you have so much personal bias, obviously, that goes into it. Which is okay, I realize okay, the, well, I realize the point of the question. Well, look, which well, is we'll, fine. Do, we'll, well, we'll do move on. You give me your Mount Rushmore because he's at three. All right, I'll give my last one. I mean, I, I got to think about guys that are have been most impactful on sports in my lifetime. Ken Griffey Jr. is absolutely there, my favorite okay, baseball player of all okay. time, maybe my favorite athlete of all time. Okay, uh, I I feel like you know it. In the Brady versus Belichick thing, I think I would have to go with Tom Brady just because it's it's you know it's whatever happens on the field is more recognizable even than the contributions that happen okay, off of it that lead right. to all of that. All right, you got so, two. So I'll go with those two. Basketball. Uh, while my favorite players of all time uh, are Jason Kidd and Penny Hardaway, but they would not be on my Mount Rushmore for what we're talking about. Right. Uh, I, I think I'll. Uh, you know, honestly, KG might be there. KG okay. might be there. All right. And then uh, one more. Yeah, I feel like I just should bring a hockey player into it. So you're I'm gonna. It's your Mount well, Rushmore, man. Yeah, no, I know, I know, but you're, it's this is a, I've never thought about this before. This Let me is give tough. you. Okay, I give you. I give you mine real quick. This. Is I'll take yours. Yeah, yeah. I let's got, get it from the guy who's actually have, thought about this. I have Tiger Woods. Yeah. I have Michael Jordan. I have Muhammad Ali, and I go off the board, my fourth one, the greatest female athlete, I think, of all times, Serena Williams. Yeah, no question. Yeah. Solid I'll, one. I'm going to put my last one. I had to make a baseball one, in my opinion, and my I think the greatest baseball player of all time is Willie Mays. Okay. All right. Okay. All right. But so, folks, if you're listening, you want to weigh in on this, you can tweet us your uh, your Mount Rushmore of athletes. We want to hear from you. No question about it. Real quick, I just want to tell you about betonline.ag. Wait, 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 wait. Yeah, wait, 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 wait. You know, I know we got a sponsor, but I'm not letting you get away. You've gotten three so far. Oh, we still got to give a fourth. Uh... Hey, Nick Gelso, come on. Oh, boy. A lot of pressure here, Adam. You can just say Peyton Pritchard. We don't. Did you did did you give a fourth or yeah. did you stop? Willie Mays. Bill oh, Bill, oh, okay. Tom Willie Brady, Mays. Tiger Woods. Don't worry, Adam. We got all day. Yeah, okay. we'll take all day. That's okay. Yeah, we'll just. It's a, Evan can cut out the long pauses in post production. It'll I sound can. great. These are, these are uh, how about? I'm gonna go Wayne Gretzky. Okay. Okay. I'm gonna go Wayne Gretzky. Okay, okay. That I, I can give you that. People go people go so many different ways. It's like there was a guy who Well, like you said, there's no wrong answer. Yeah, but I talked to a guy who was from, from London. So neither one of you guys picked any soccer players, the most yeah. popular sport around. Yeah, it's not. Then my there sport. was a guy who was in, in London was he's like Michael Schumacher. He said, Ooh. you know, I'm going then I'm another one. guy told me he was talking about a great cricket player. So you can't go wrong. You can only be right. So yeah. you know, that, that's it. My soccer conversation generally starts and ends with the show Ted Lasso, which if you haven't watched it on Apple TV, I encourage you to check oh, it out. I really haven't, haven't seen that. <laughs> oh, you'd love it. You'd love it. Get yourself that Apple TV subscription if you don't have it already. All right, folks, betonline.ag. Are we ready for some football? Well, college football heading into the championship game. Alabama and Ohio State will face off Bama. Eight-point favorites right now. Justin Fields, of course, is hurt. Could be a real issue for OSU. We'll see. Mac Jones and the prolific Bama offense could be too much regardless. NFL playoffs, as we know, wild card weekend on the way. 
Three games Saturday, three on Sunday. The Bills, six-and-a-half-point favorites, hosting the Colts. Tom Brady and the Bucks, a road favorite, minus eight, against the Washington football team. And I uh, got to remind you, Brady, not so great in prime time here in his old age. The uh, Titans and Derrick Henry getting three-and-a-half points against Lamar Jackson, the reigning MVP, and the Baltimore Ravens, who would like a better showing in the postseason than they had last year. And with the NBA title odds, the Lakers, plus 225, to repeat, and uh, they are certainly looking better than they even did last year, which is saying something. The Nets plus 650. I would not go near that because I'm not a believer. The Clippers plus 650. The Bucks plus 650. The Sixers, who could be the best team in the conference right now under Doc Rivers at plus 1200. And the Celtics, don't count them out, plus 1800 if you like long odds and you think that like Max, maybe they can go out and add an impactful piece and put them over the top. There's one place that has you covered, one place that we trust. It is Bet Online. Sign up today for a free account at betonline.ag. Use that promo code CLNS50 for your 50% welcome bonus. So as we're chatting here with Cedric Maxwell, of course, Evan Valenti, I'm Adam Kaufman. And, uh, you know, we we got away from Peyton Pritchard. I want to go back. We didn't spend nearly enough time on Peyton Pritchard with what this kid has been doing of late. And, And naturally, he has become a fan favorite. He has become, it seems like a real teammate favorite. I'm sure you've seen the 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 victory dance celebrations that Jalen Brown and Tristan Thompson, these guys have been putting out on social media from back in his high school days when he's just dancing around shirtless in front of refrigerators or microwaves or whatever the hell else. I mean, the kid is clearly a good time and and uh, has been embraced by his teammates. You got Jason calling him eight mile. Some fans calling him P rabbit again, a, you know, Eminem uh, reference there to, to the movie. There's, Dean Pritchard, people won't let Fast PP go, his old Twitter handle. So the man of many nicknames, he's getting asked about it all over the place. Jalen Brown called him the GOAT the other day, which clearly we're just at a point where we're throwing that term around because he's played all of nine NBA games. But are you surprised with how impactful this kid has been early on? No, no, not really. I mean, I, I just look at him as such a quality player. And he's playing in a system, in Brad Stevens' system, which I, I think – if you are a smart player, it helps you that much more because you're not physically trying to beat somebody. You're cutting corners. And because of that, you, you have to use your mental ability a lot more. You see the most gifted guy physically? I, I looked at him initially. I'm like, well, he seems a little slow. And, and now I see him, you know, going by guys and, and, and getting guys up in the air and having old man moves. I, you know, I, I love what he's doing now. And I think we, we talk about how great it is right now in these first eight games or whatever games, how many games you play, but man, how would it be if he was playing in the garden? Yeah. How impactful would it be with real fans there? Now we, we're not, you know, we're not discounting our, our fans on the internet and all these things because we love them. And, no, and but it's not the same. I mean, but but to he, play, he talked yeah. about that after his game win yeah. in Miami. They were all laughing on on the bench, and he was asked after the fact what he was laughing about with his teammates and Evan Turner and all these guys. And he said, "You just don't typically hit a game winning shot in an empty building." And so it was a it was a weird feeling and a weird experience. Yeah, it, to me, it's like looking at the games now. A lot of times, I think of those games as like pickup games, like when you mm. played when you were young. It's like. <laughs> You want, yo, dude, you want to play? Hey, you, you want to play with me? Come on. Giannis, you, you, okay, come on. And, and it's these great players playing in the empty, most of the time, empty buildings. And, uh, you know, the Celtics got a little taste of a crowd uh, um, when they played in, played against, believe it or not, Toronto in mm-hmm. Tampa. Tampa, uh, yeah. Playing. And, and the question I had to ask, and I'm not sure who could answer this, I wonder with Toronto how this is going from a financial standpoint because mm. when you're in Canada, you're getting taxed there. Now that they are playing in Tampa, there is no state yeah, income No state tax. income tax. So, I mean, I wonder did their checks get bigger or, or are they still on the umbrella of Toronto or, or not? So, um, but uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's pretty impactful. But to be playing in a a gym with nobody. I mean, nobody. It, that reminds me of maybe like one of my first years with the Celtics. 
being here, you know, in the garden, there'd be three or 4,000 people there for a game, you know, unless we're playing somebody really good because we were so bad. So um, that's why I think this year in a lot, a big degree to me is going to be a mulligan for a lot of different people because mm-hmm. a lot of times you think about Marcus Smart. When Marcus Smart would get hot and sort of knocking down jump shots, that was cool. But you think of the times that he would miss and you could hear a groan in the crowd. <laughs> and and now that you don't have those people there, it's like I don't have the pressure of the crowd on me. So I, I kind of like it for the players. One thing I think is interesting about Pritchard is, I mean, you can attest to this. You know, you have a team that has its hierarchy pretty much set up. You know, you have your starters pretty much in place. They add Tristan Thompson. They add Jeff Teague, two veterans. They already have a bunch of guys on the team before. So you bring Pritchard in. Guy just basically went from uh, college right into the pros, no trade, no offseason or anything, really. They had a really truncated offseason, which leads me to ask you, I mean, you've been through offseasons in the NBA before. You've brought in new teammates before, been a part of a lot of different teams. How impressive is it? considering the team that he's on and considering the shortened off season to have a, a guy like this make this big of an impact on this team this early on in the season? Uh, very much so when you are a player taking lower in the draft. Uh, I think that's what is uh, that, that impact there. You think of Rondo when he had a bad team for a while. Okay, he was taking lower in the draft, but now you're talking about a team that, is removed from almost the Eastern Conference Finals or, or, or you know, think about them winning the champ, automatically be on the playoff team. But he comes in not being cocky. And what you – he you can see guys teasing him. A lot of times when people tease you, they tease you for a reason. One, because you can take it. And the other, they tease you because they like you. And there are a lot of times rookies come in, and I haven't been around Pritchard in that way. But he seems to be very, you know, he knows his role. You know, mm-hmm. it's like, you know, don't, uh, I think it was the, the, the movie Shawshank. And, and the guy said, uh, son, you're forgetting yourself. <laughs> and <laughs> don't know your role. And it seemed like he knows his role. He knows the veteran players. He knows, you know, he's listening to Marcus. He's listening to the coaches. That doesn't seem to be the arrogance. Like, look, I got a lot to learn. This is early on. These guys have played for years in the NBA, but I'm going to do whatever I can to win basketball games. And, I mean, you look at Neesmith now. Neesmith is is struggling because maybe he hasn't played. You know, think he hurt his foot and played many years in college. He doesn't have that. He doesn't have the maturity so far in his game. He might be a better player eventually. Could be. But what you see with – Pritchard is the basketball IQ and the grittiness that you would see. He's the kind of guy who you would see in the park and you go, uh, I'll take that white, the little white guy right there. I'll take him. (laughs) I'll take him. And he's going to win me a game because he's so gritty. He's going to hit the open shots and he's going to make smart plays. One of the pre-draft comps for Pritchard was Fred Van Vliet. And to your point about Tatum and Brown earlier, it's it's just hard at this stage. And those guys have been in the league for years, never mind nine games. It's hard at this stage when guys are so young to really know what a ceiling is or what an upside is. But when you look at Pritchard, are there guys, be it a Van Vliet or someone else, that you sort of you know see in his game that, that you I, I think, think might be a fair I, comp? Yeah, I think that's a, I think that's a great comparison. You, you would – I remember when I first came to the league and I was playing really well and, and there was a guy named Eddie Pinckney who ended up mm-hmm. winning uh, a championship at Villanova. And he was coming into the league and the comment I read by his name said, he's a poor man, Cedric Maxwell. And I was like, damn, that's, that's pretty cool. Yeah. This, I'd say the same thing. Pritchard would be a poor man's Van Bleek. Freddie Van Bleet, because I think he plays on that same kind of level. And if you said there's a ceiling you could get to, Van Bleet is smart. He knocks down shots. He's heady. He's in the right place. I think Pritchard could only uh, aspire to be Freddie Van Bleet, and I think that would be a good good call. We left out the most important part. He's the NBA champion. 
Wow. Yeah. And he got and, and he's and he's collecting twenty million. So he did all right. Yeah. Yeah. No, all right. No, no, pretty good for an that, undrafted that's, kid. That's the most important part right there. Yeah. <laughs> you can keep the ring. You give me the twenty million. I'm good. Yeah. Now the one thing I like about Pritchard, and it's again tough, you know, early on, but he kind of, and it's easier for point guards to do this because they have the ball in their hands so much. But sometimes with young guys trying to prove yourself, you do too much. The one thing I like about Pritchard is, and, and you can say this to a lot of great point guards, and you've played with you know several of them, and just guys that have that point mentality. He gives you what the game needs. You know, do you need some rebounding? He gives you a little bit of rebounding. You need, you need some guy to pick up somebody three-quarter court, make his life a little bit of a living hell. He'll go out and, and do that. You need the ball to move around quickly, he'll do that. And, and the best part about Pritchard, and, and it's, it's unfortunate that he's that Tommy isn't here to, to watch. Oh, my God. But, yes. but Pritchard pushes the ball it, off makes. They'd rename the Tommy see. point. And, and, and he, 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 you see it right away. He's like, give me the ball. We're pushing it up. And he's the first guy up the floor. And that particular type of play is contagious when you, when you like, you don't want to be the guy slagging, you know, slacking back and, and hanging around while the ball's already up, you know, at the three point line. No, you got to get up there and join him and get the play rolling. That's the one thing Pritchard gives you what the game needs. And for a guy who's got nine games into his NBA career, that's really impressive. Yeah, that 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 really is. And and if there's one thing that drives me, I'm gonna say drives me crazy. But if there was one thing I was picking at Jason Tatum about, that he is too cool for school. He is just gets in, <laughs> he gets it, puts it on the floor, brings it down. You know, the, like there's you know not a care in the world. And maybe I'm looking for a, a little bit more sense of urgency. And that's one thing you get from Pritchard. Pritchard is the downhill skier. That's what he is. Like he gets on the he gets on the edge of those skis, and you don't know if he's gonna make it or not. But but he is flying down that mountain, and that's where he you know that that sense of of danger, that sense of of, of belonging. That's what I get when I see Pritchard in the way he plays. So one guy we haven't talked about, I don't even think we've said his name so far. And I, I really do think that for anyone that's maybe a, a casual observer of the Celtics, you're not watching game in, game out, you haven't noticed, quietly one of the better players on this team this season within his role. And it's important to craft that it that way because he's not Brown, he's not Tatum, he's, you know, it, it brings a different thing to the table. But quietly one of the best players on this team so far this year has been a guy that I've been waiting for this from, and that's Robert Williams. I love what he's doing so far. I think he's really coming into his own. He's healthy. He's getting opportunity. Some of that has come with injuries to Tice or Thompson at points. Obviously, Cantor is gone, but there has been more of a chance for Williams to step in and do what he is good at, rebounding, blocking shots, being a presence inside, getting the occasional bucket. And, you know, I I saw somebody tweet the other day you know is are we at a point now where we can say that Robert Williams at at the 27th pick is looking pretty good and I responded you know on Twitter with it looked good the second they took him at 27 it was just a function of him actually realizing his potential Uh, but but that was always there and I think now we are starting to see it two things one I'll I'll move back to, to Pritchard one more time and I'll say this the toughest position right now in the NBA is a point guard it's even tougher when you begin your first for when you're in the league for the first time, because you, not only are you trying to run place for everybody else, but you're trying to get an understanding of how to get yourself involved. Now with Robert Williams, Robert Williams is starting to learn a lot of different things, things that drive me crazy about Robert Williams. He's starting to get away from. And one of them was reaching for the ball. If you're Robert Williams, with the way you get off the floor, you wait for a guy to put the ball up in the air and you go block it. If I got a little water bug running around, a Kimba, I'm not going to take the ball from him when he's dribbling by me. But what I know, if he ever tries to shoot that ball around the rim, my ability to go up in the air and block shots. And the other thing he's doing really well is he's picking his opportunities to try to block shots. Before, everything he went up, he's trying to block, he's trying to dunk it. 
by trying to block every shot, you get, he was getting himself out of position. Now he's not doing that. And that's why he had 15 rebounds the other day, uh, you know, against Toronto. So I, I think that you start to utilize those tools that you have. What is his greatest assets? His ability to run the floor, his ability to get off the floor jumping and, uh, you know, dunking around the rim. Uh, I have a field goal percentage record, which has been around since I played in that my last game, 1984, where I shot for, I don't know, 61% for a couple of years there. Sean Grandy said that record would be broken by Robert Williams if he gets enough attempts. And that very well could be the case. He's mm-hmm. starting to learn how to play. The players are utilizing him with that skill set that he has. Yeah, I love Rob. I think the one thing about Rob that goes, I mean, it's been noticed a lot, um, but it's been it's something that, that he gives them that the other bigs don't really give them is that passing ability. Now, he, he seems to have you know, in the backcourt, you know, maybe a, a mental lapse every now and then, uh, you know, throwing the ball away, which I'm sure Brad, you know, there was that great moment the other day. I think it was against, I forget what team it was against. It might have been Detroit where Brad's in the sideline like this, like, Rob, what, what are we doing here? But he shows you moments where he has real feel for the game. And there, it, there's in between his ears, there's a brain there that understands movement on the basketball floor. And I've always said with Rob, you know, it's, and it's, you, you see it with some other guys. You're going to see it with Neesmith. Uh, you saw it with Jalen early on. And the defensive side of the ball is going to, is going to what is going to be what gets you on the floor, right? If, back when Jalen was younger, if Jalen wasn't defending the way he's supposed to defend, Brad pulled his ass out of the game and he sat on the bench. You know, Neesmith has a hard time right now. You know, his shot's not falling. And defensively, he's not quite all the way there yet. But when you see it with Rob, because he just – there is a brain there that just understands how the floor develops. Talk about feel earlier in the game and how, you know, it, some guys just have that sort of feel. He, he has an unbelievable feel. It's just a matter of how does he realize how to use his tools the best. And what he does on that end of the floor is something the other two guys can't give the Celtics. I mean, I love Tristan Thompson. He's a battler underneath. Um, he's exactly what this team needs in terms of physical presence on the team. You know, Tice is a guy that is good at a lot of things, not great at, at something, but good at a lot of things that, that really helps the team is the, the, the seals, the, the seal pick that he throws out there for Tatum and Brown is awesome. He spaces the floor a little bit, but Rob really gives them, this defensive presence that nobody else on that roster gives them. So my question for you is Max is the best version of the Celtics, a version that features Rob Williams more predominant, uh, predominantly at the five. I think eventually okay. that happens right now. I think Tice is a better option before you, because he spreads the floor out by having the ability to knock down a three every now and then. Uh, to set those picks. He has a better understanding of the game. Robert Williams' day will come when he will get more opportunities, as you said. As that brain matter gets a little bit denser, I think that we all have a – he'll get a better opportunity of playing. Uh, The thing that you made a mention before about Jalen, because Jalen played all over the floor, you had a bigger area to cover in your mind. Whereas Robert Williams is a center, you're playing on a very small island. So you can condense things and it becomes a lot more simple for a center to be in the game than it is maybe for a wing player. Um, I want to see him be a little bit better on the pick and roll. Uh, when a guy comes off on a pick, a big, a set of pick, and now you got Robert Williams versus a guard. Initially, Robert Williams was going to reach for the basketball. Now he is understanding that if that guard comes off and it's him and the guard, wait for that ball to go up in the air, and I'm long enough and athletic enough where I can go block his shot. Is there – this is maybe a tricky question because I'm sitting here, I've got some stats in front of me. Presumably you don't. So you're not uh, – you know, you can answer this more in general. Just up here, big fella. Go ahead. Is there is there one 
and we've only seen nine games, six and three. Obviously, teams off to a good start, and Kemba Walker should be healthy eventually. Maybe they get even better. Here's hoping they do. Is there one category, one area that most determines this team's success to you? I'm going to tell you what mine is based on what they've been doing so far. Okay. Three-point shooting. This team is shooting 40% from three, and it's not like it's one guy. Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart, Jeff Teague, Shemi Ojale, Grant Williams are all, and not notably Peyton Pritchard, are all shooting better than 40% from three-point range. You, you know, another, another thing that you, you didn't talk about, which comes into play, is those ancillary guys you talk about coming off the bench. Shemi? Shemi, guys like that, they don't hurt you. They mm-hmm. only give you, you know, you might not get 20 points, but you'll get a positive reading from those guys. Mm-hmm. Yes, three point three point shooting to me is going to be the key because that's what teams do now. To me, the stat would be, and this one is just in my head, is be is going to be turning the basketball over. The less turnovers they have, I think the more efficient they can be. And then bigger than that to me is going to the line. Jason Tatum had some crazy stat the other day. They played like six games or seven games. They had only been to the free throw line like two or three times. Yeah, he's only averaging 3.9. The team in total is less than 20. But then he had the game, I think, against uh, Toronto where he he went to the the line like 13 times. The, the, The ability to get to the line to me is so much more important because, one, you're shooting a higher percentage shot. Here's the things that happen when you shoot a higher percentage shot. You can get your own rebound. Obviously, you're shooting a better percentage. And the biggest thing is that you can get a guy in foul difficulty when you're playing in the paint where you're not going to necessarily get him in foul difficulty when you're shooting threes. When you do that, the other thing that happens, when you get a guy in foul difficulty, the one place he can't hurt you, he can't hurt you from the bench unless he's in that – chopping away talking and, and that should be that noise should be let out so mine would be not turning the ball over which is mm-hmm. something to do too much for me yeah they're 14 and, game right now. and just and getting to the free throw line where i think they have to be a lot more aggressive at taking the ball towards the paint and not and not settling for the three-point shot as much Evan, do you have one we didn't mention, or are you on board with all those? Mine is free throws is big, turnovers is big. I, I back up Max on that. The one thing that I want to see, and it's and it's just more of a – we need to watch this team play more before we have a definitive hold on it. This team has to be better defensively, and they're making mistakes that you normally see Brad Stevens' teams don't make. And it's frustrating to watch because normally, in a normal year, Boston's defense is normally ahead of their offense. I mean, their offense, you know, will, you know, put around every once in a while, but defensively is where they hang their hat. I mean, they have a bunch of good defenders on their team, but we're not seeing the team defense with the rotations and the help and the doubles. We're not seeing that as crisp as it needs to be right now. And I think that's, you know, truncated off season. You're incorporating new pieces, you know, different guys have different roles. Now you're seeing more of certain guys, you're giving, you know, Jalen and Jason more responsibility, obviously, but you're giving more responsibility to a Grant Williams, a Rob Williams, um, other guys like that. And as we go forward here, you know, we all know offense comes and goes. You know, guys are going to be streaky. Mm-hmm. But defensively, you got to bring it every night. And a lot of it is an effort thing. And I don't think this team has a lack of effort. It's just a lack of communication and a lack of continuity I think this team is kind of suffering from right now. And as we go forward, I'm just looking for a better movement as a team as, you know, the defense gets broken down, how they recover. Because, I mean, you've seen a million pieces. Zach Lowe's done a great job writing about how the Celtics scram and get get guys in certain areas to alter shots, to block shots. Uh, one of my favorite Brad Stevens quotes is a late contest is better than no contest and how they get that to be a part of their defense. It's something they're still going to have to work on down the line, but their defensive efforts through nine games, uh, mediocre at best, in my opinion. Yeah, I think it's totally though. fair. Yeah. No, I, I think it's totally fair. I think, uh, I think we're seeing it. There's no question about it. Yeah.
Um, Max, before we go, because we have kept you for a while, I th- I'd, I'd be remiss as tired of, as people are of it. If, if I didn't ask you going back to Peyton Pritchard, if you have a favorite nickname so far, and if you shout any of these out on the radio, or if you think the whole thing is stupid and contrived and forced. White kid. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I'm sure that'll stick. I think that, would, I think that might work. I, I have, yeah. I don't even think that I hear people saying P Rabbit and all that. Look, dude, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm really too old to be giving out a bunch of nicknames. You know, when he plays, he's a good player. So I, I don't have that in my arsenal about, you know, trying to toss a name that, you know, might stick with him or might not stick with him, like yeah. Sean using the line. Sean used something uh, for Tatum and Brown, double O trouble. Or double oh, was it tr- yeah, trouble O seven? The trouble O seven. Like, uh, yeah. it just, uh, no, no. Just leave, leave that in the drawer for a little while. But, you know. We uh, all try too hard when it comes to nicknames. There's no the question about of, that. Word of the day, Evan, I'm going to try to use this somehow. Truncated. Is that, that is that the word you use? Truncated? Truncated? Truncated, yeah. Truncated. I'm going to try to find a word to use, try to find a way to use that. It's like I use the word ancillary because that's Sean Grandy's word. And he would always, <laughs> like, what word? And I was teasing him with the, and here's one of those bebeam things where I said, yeah, Sean, I'm going to use this thing that your aunt will you ancillary. He go, what? It's like, oh, never mind, never mind. I like, I saw where you're going there. Yeah. So I, I, I think that, you know, you guys have, uh, you guys have really tweaked it out. You guys have done a nice job of uh, talking about this game and, and, and the way it's played. Uh, but I think that the most positive thing about the Celtics is that they have, they have a bunch of guys that can play. And, mm-hmm. we, you know, Jeff Teague is a nice player. And, and I think you look at, you know, Grant Williams comes in. He, he gonna, he's going to give you some. The guys I feel, you know, kind of bad for, the Carson Edwards and, you know, guys like that who have essentially, Pritchard has left these guys behind. I yeah. Mean, it, it's like they're standing still and Pritchard is like, shh, is zoomed by those guys. And I thought Carson Edwards to me, I thought he was going to be a, a Vinnie Johnson. I, I saw him play that one exhibition. He's only had one. They had that one exhibition game against Cleveland yep. uh, his rookie year where he knocked down about eight or nine trays and in like six I minutes. Look at, I didn't look at the Celtic bench, how they were acting, but I looked at the Cleveland Cavalier bench. Every time he knocked down another tray, the, the guys were just like, ooh, ooh. And, and I was looking for And I haven't seen that. I have not seen one game of that where I was like, where I looked at it and went, oh, my God, Carson Ellis is about to go ballistic. I just haven't seen it. Yeah. Remember the game yeah, against got- Virginia in the tournament where he went at DeAndre Hunter for, you know, 40 minutes, and DeAndre Hunter was the one of the best defensive players in the country at the time and went number five overall to Atlanta. And, you know, Carson Edwards, who's 5'10", maybe on a good day, and DeAndre is 6'8", <laughs> with arms that never stop. And, 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 you know, Edwards went at him for 40 minutes and scored 42. And it looked, you know, I mean, it wasn't easy for him, but he made it look pretty effortless. So there's somebody in there, but it's unfortunately, I don't think it'll come out on this Celtics team. I just think there's, as you said, you know, Pritchard hit the ground running and those guys kind of stood still. And, you know, it, that's life, man. Like when, you know, life is all about taking the best of the opportunities you're given. And, and Pritchard has, without question, he was given an opportunity and he's just like, I'm not letting this go. I'm, I'm going to, and he keeps building. That's the thing. He keeps building on that stuff. And it gets, and to- and you know what? You're, you're right. And the thing about it's not one skill set for him. It's multiple things. And that's what Brad loves about his players who can do multiple things. And that's what's so good about Marcus. Marcus is not the greatest shooter in the world, but he's one of the greatest defenders probably to ever put on a Celtic uniform at his size. But then there are other things that he is so good at doing that he will set guys up defensively. He will make other plays on the offense. And then so, yeah, that's what Pritchard seems to be doing to me right now. He is, uh, he's building day by day a reputation and he's building a, um, a relationship with the coach and the other players. 
when players look at you, I remember the first time I ever thought, I thought about me playing with the Boston Celtics at the exhibition where had a rookie camp. No, it was veteran camp down at Buzzards Bay of all places. And uh, Jojo White was there and John Havlicek and, and, and um, who was it? Dave Cowens, a couple other players, you know, the, the superstar players or, or, you know, great legends. And I made a couple of moves. And you look over at the players on the bench. You look at the, the veteran players, and they'll just nod their head. <laughs> and, and that's what you get when I'm looking at Tatum and Brown, looking at Pritchard, like, he can play, he can play. It's just very <laughs> simple. He can play. All right. Well, the season continues, folks. Tomorrow, back home against uh, the Wizards. I'm sure Washington's going to be happy to get out of D.C. for a period of time. This game, see if Bradley Beal doesn't drop. Let Trump leave, nice. okay? How about that? Don't worry, you're only a couple weeks away from that. That's that's. <laughs> what, what, I mean, maybe somebody may have to drag him out of there, but at least he won't be in office. <laughs> yeah, it depends who you ask, I suppose. And then the C's uh, one game over the weekend. It's Sunday, also at home against Miami. A matter of fact, the Celtics looking at it are home five out of the next six. So really good opportunity here to. Uh, boost their early season success there, where you're sitting right now. There, but here here you say that, but is there any difference between road and home right now? Well, just yeah. the need to travel and I guess not having I mean, your family around. But yeah, I mean there's there's no home court advantage anymore. Yeah, that's for sure. So I mean you don't even you don't even think in that way like okay, well you're gonna be home, you're gonna be away. It's sweet. It is what it is now. And, yeah. and for them to be stuck in Detroit for about three or four days I would have I would have rather gone to Mars <laughs> for three or four days in the hotel and not have anything to do. Oh my God. Hey, that, that, the that next, GAC- next, you know, being in Milwaukee for four or five days and can't leave the hotel. Are you kidding me? That DAC in downtown Detroit's not bad. The Detroit Athletic Club, it's not a bad spot. Yeah, but the players but the players aren't allowed to leave the hotel to go to those spots. Once they yeah. they're, they, they're not allowed. The protocol now says, which to me is the crazy thing, is once they get to the, these rooms, they can have team meals, but mm-hmm. they're not allowed essentially to go. They can go out for a walk, but but the uh, all those other things, the ancillary things, the truncated <laughs> things, nah, they ain't working on those. Their 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 uh, their nights on the road are truncated because they can't go anywhere. Yeah, very much. Yeah, so very there much. you go. Word of the day. All right. I'm going to be the one that doesn't add an SAT word to this, uh, which is quite the conundrum for me. Ha! You see what oh, I did there? All right. I know. I know. You can add that. You can add that later. So going to walk it off. What a moment. All right. Uh, BetOnline.ag. Remember, our chief uh, sponsor here of Celtics Beat, big part of the CLNS family. Go to BetOnline.ag today. Use the promo code CLNS50 for your 50% sign-up bonus. Max, as always, you've uh, always been a good friend of the program. We can't thank you enough for hopping on. We try not to bug you too frequently, but it is always great to get your expertise and obviously your humor here uh, with us on the show. So don't be a stranger. Enjoy your podcast. Naturally, people need to subscribe and listen to that. And uh, we'll have you back on here with us real soon. All right. Enjoy the gentlemen. You guys have a great day. And and we'll see how, you know, if the Pritchard train is still flying the next time we talk. Yeah, I think I'm I'm ordering a jersey online right after we're done. For Max, for Evan, I'm Adam. Thanks for being with us. Good luck to the Celtics tomorrow night. We'll be back to talk about it next week.